0: Hello and welcome to the latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Lemuel. And this week in June, we're heading back to 1988 for the what I had perceived to be a classic, Coming to America. Uh, Lemuel, have you ever seen this movie before? I have never
1: seen this movie before.
0: And did you think that this movie was a classic?
1: I think that it's important, maybe on some levels, but it does not stand. I, I, I rarely say this about movies. I hate when people say it. It doesn't stand the test of time.
0: I mm. think this it is a example, It didn't age well. Right.
1: <laughs> of a film, because I, I really do. I will sit and watch silent films. Right. No, you
0: like older films, and you don't have a problem right. with them being older. But That's this not is the a issue. film
1: that did feel dated, but not necessarily in a good
0: way. Yeah. I was. I don't know what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be funnier, as in just with more jokes. And I didn't know that it was gonna have a like a like an identity crisis within it.
1: That's a fair assessment. Yeah. I so, think.
0: so yeah, I'd never seen it. Apparently, my my knowledge did extend to knowing about Soul Glow,
1: <laughs>
0: but my white self thought that that was a real thing.
1: <laughs> it could have been.
0: So that was maybe one of my favorite. Things in it because it was, it was a lot very funny, like
1: the advertising you used to see on Soul Train back in the day, where there are all these you know, King Cobra and malt liquor, and it's it's terrible. And it's, yeah. it was just the right level of tastelessness that ad to go. Yeah, that that.
0: Yeah, that's about all I knew about it. I knew Eddie Murphy was a king, and he was coming to America to find a queen. The end. That is the extent of my knowledge. So everything else was new information. Uh, This movie was released, as we said before, in June of 1988. Runs 117 minutes. That's too many minutes. It was, yeah. For a romantic comedy or a straight comedy, it's just too many minutes. It's a lot of minutes. And there's a lot of long takes of why are we still watching this? (laughs) I think there was
1: a style of filmmaking there that has passed away. And it was I make a joke or I do something funny and we cut to you reacting to it.
0: What That's not And
1: then it would do this in a room full of people and we'd take And turns then we'd go watching yeah watching everyone reacting or Maybe. And it just dragged everything out. But too I long. thought
0: that the a lot of the scenes that went on too long were right. like he and she walking down the street. Mm-hmm. You can't hear their conversation. Right. We're just going to watch them walk for 35 to well, 55 wait, well, seconds. Probably
1: describe what the plot of the movie is. Well, first like, that's it.
0: the thing. I didn't want to get into specifics. Just right. two people walking down the right. street where you can't hear them. Anyways, yeah, let's get into the specifics. Let's let's go through the plot here and see where it falls <laughs> apart.
1: <laughs> I, I, think, I, I don't think the plot necessarily falls
0: apart. It doesn't have the consistency of its, yeah, it's own message, I think. The opening uh-huh. 10 minutes and the entire rest of the film are like two different movies. Right. Like in Zamunda, the in the United States are two different movies with two different tones. It's very strange.
1: To start with, though, it's uh, the story of an African prince who's reached his birthday. His
0: it's he's. Hey, Eddie Murphy's 21 in this. Right. Okay. Everybody jump on board this <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> bullshit train.
1: He is. And those early scenes actually are very close to a screwball comedy. There's just outrageous things happening for the sake of being outrageous.
0: Also, boobs for no reason.
1: I'm not going to c- complain necessarily about it. It's that. not a complaint. However, it's,
0: but it's just like... Yes. Hey everybody! You've walked into an R-rated movie. If you didn't want to watch an R-rated movie, you should get out now. Right. But nothing. This movie doesn't need to be R-rated. No, it
1: doesn't. <laughs> but so he wakes up in the morning to he, a
0: choir singing to him. Yes. Oh no! It's a band. Band playing. I'm sorry. It's a band, band playing. playing.
1: He is bathed by beautiful Nubian princesses in exotic regalia. Yes, the who, bathers. The even there's even a scene where he's escorted to the bathroom
0: and the wipers have to come
1: I have to be even though he worried. asks right
0: couldn't i go by myself
1: and everywhere that he walks, beautiful, minstrel, rose petals in his way. And There's parts of it that are very funny. I think that part of it, there's a scene where he has dinner with his parents.
0: Yeah, he sits down to breakfast right. or whatever. Bre- and breakfast, rather. And he is at one end of the table, and they are... A
1: very long ways a away. A very long At long the, end way of the away. other end of the table.
0: There's an intercom.
1: Right, to communicate <laughs> with each other. And they seem to be shocked when he actually gets up and walks to the end of the table. Like, what is he doing? Why aren't the rose bearers?
0: Yeah, get the rose... Yes, yeah, he needs to walk on rose petals. And he's right. like i don't though that's the thing so he's a, he's going to be he's going to meet his betrothed mm-hmm. his wife has been chosen for him she's been bred basically trained yeah. forever to just do anything that he wants yay <laughs> and so when he meets her he like there's this big ceremony and she is presented to him with of course the typical big lady coming through, and then the di- look of dismay or that this is the woman that he has to be with. Right. And then, no, she's just the, you know, the announcer. Mm. Basically, he has the same version, and I didn't even think about it, but did they dress his, like, announcer in drag? to be the female announcer, it no, wouldn't surprise know. me, because that's all that's happening. There are a couple of characters
1: in, in drag, there's a couple <laughs> of characters in whiteface, there's a, yes. there's, yeah.
0: The I would ha- I would go ahead and call what Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy are doing with some of their characters, blackface. Right. They're black already, <laughs> they get blacker?
1: Well, they're like. playing, okay, so but going back to the film, because yeah. um, there's going to be a lot of complaints about yeah. this one, Eddie Murphy's character, yes, the, the, prince, the prince, is going on about how he wants to have uh, a king. Well, he wants to marry a woman of his own choice, an independent woman with ideas right. and thoughts.
0: And he thinks that if you um, love a re- woman, you should respect her opinions about right. things and listen to her input. Now, it's unclear to me where he got these ideas because it appears that the people there don't.
1: Necessarily hold with him.
0: So, where? I mean, there must be a TV or something. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he
1: winds up. Oh, along he's sent with his uh, like a servant who's played by Arsenio Hall Yeah, who's actually well, very funny Well,
0: because he talks to his betrothed right. and he asks her about herself and all she does is respond with whatever you like And then well, what exactly, do you like to eat right. for breakfast Well, what do you like to eat for breakfast I right. like what you like I like what you like I like what you like she doesn't have any answers of her own which so, is I mean, yeah, not her an fault
1: important to mention that he does um, he tells his father that he doesn't want to marry this woman and that he wants to go abroad. For he wants
0: to go to right. America and find a bride. Well, and the father but takes
1: this to mean he go, mean, wants to go sow his wild oats.
0: Yes. His royal oat even. There we are. Which so apparently he has done as well. And so, so he says, fine, you can come back in 40 mm-hmm. days and marry this woman, and you can go to go to America for 40 days. So
1: the prince and his servant go to Queens because that's yes. where you, you find so Queens. So
0: the idea, at first they're like, well, do we go to L.A. or New York? And they just Pick one? Like, right. I think they flipped a coin and then they're looking at a map of New York and they're like, well, where do we go to find you, know, women? Or like, a, a, a bride for a king. And of course, queens is what, right. where they land. Of course it is. <sighs> of course <it> is. <laughs> And
1: then the film becomes. Um,
0: and so it's just going to be Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall traveling together. Arsenio right. Hall is like his trainer, but also his best friend.
1: H- his uh, self-defense trainer, his best friend, and sort of like a royal hanger-on is the impression that you yeah, get. Yeah, he's, he's always a getting bit of, of an
0: entourage-y right. type.
1: And he's very really good in it. He's actually really funny. He's a
0: pretty good actor, pretty naturalistic, actually. Right. I mean, as far as anyone is naturalistic in By this movie. By the way, movie. don't
1: expect anyone to keep... Uh, it's funny having just watched Black Panther. yeah. People really working those African accents and oh, yeah, no <laughs> these two guys. They
0: start with an accent. right? And Arsenio dro- drops his almost immediately. <laughs> right. Like every once in a while in the third syllable, there'll be a weird strain. And I'm <laughs> like, is that the accent coming back? But for the most part, fuck this noise, right. he is not doing it. And now they travel to New York and he wants to appear poor. So, he doesn't want yeah. to be loved for his wealth, right? Extreme
1: that's, wealth, yes.
0: And which is, yeah, extreme. So they f- basically find a flop house, and they're gonna stay there. And he goes out and gets a job at a fast food restaurant, because they go to a like a, that's what it is. So they go to the barber shop.
1: Now the barber shop is the part that you find problematic, because <sighs> there's a host of characters, but they all.
0: They're are all Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy dressed up as well, not one of these all. other one characters. Other actor there's involved. one other actor involved.
1: But they're they are playing what we would now call really stereotypical characters, and there's a lot of those characters throughout the course of the film. Yes,
0: it's all played mm. by Arsenio mm. Hall and Eddie Murphy. Like Eddie Murphy, I think plays four characters, and uh-huh. Arsenio Hall plays like four characters. I know he, he
1: one of them is a woman. He plays yeah. a woman that they try to pick up they which they
0: refer to as extremely unattractive woman, right. like wow,
1: and it starts to be all and drag,
0: so you Eddie know. Murphy plays Prince Akim Jaffer, so that's his main,
1: yeah,
0: and the one character that I really like of his uh-huh. then. He plays Randy Watson as the sole singer that, the the right. leader of the band Sexual Chocolate. Oh, that was another joke that I didn't know came from here because I've heard right. the sexual chocolate bit before, right. but i had I didn't know where it was from. He also plays Saul, the Jewish barbershop customer. He never seems to be getting a bar- uh, like
1: a a haircut he's just
0: no, he's just sitting there shooting the shit with the with right. the brothers that own this um barbershop. I assume they're brothers and he's in right. Jew- Jewish face.
1: He's under a lot of, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, it, it, like uh, when I first saw the character, uh-huh. I didn't know it was Eddie Murphy. It doesn't look like Eddie Murphy, but right. it does look like a dude in makeup. Like it doesn't look like a normal person, like a regular right. person. And then when I was looking on IMDB and I saw it was Eddie Murphy, I was like, oof-a-doof. Well, like, because uh-huh. it is I mean, these characters that they're playing, because the other one is Clarence, the right. owner of the barbershop. These are gold-tooth-wearing right. stereotypes. They're they're minstrelsy. Right. All of those characters. No, uh,
1: what I would say, not to defend it, but to put it in context, as a person from that particular era, this was a lot like what they were doing on Saturday Night Live where they would do bits as characters. Right. And so he did that, and he had at... To his advantage, Rick Baker of all people. Yes,
0: doing them. that's right because we saw that right. Rick Baker was doing the makeup, and I was like, "Is there an um, ape in this movie <laughs> or a
1: dinosaur?" <laughs> the or makeup a, is very right. good. And for people who don't know, Rick Baker is a makeup artist who is a genius, and he did uh, his specialty was King Kong, uh, mm-hmm. Greystoke, where he did amazing work. Mighty Joe Young, he wanted to be a gorilla performer since he was a kid, and then he branched out. And a lot of what you see in films now, in American Werewolf in London, yeah, in particular, that's another one where he just sort of he's changed even the way that we see some of the kind of characters from horror films now, yeah, because of his innovations. And so he's a genius. I, Men in Black. I mean, the list of movies just yeah. sort of goes on and on. He's
0: on. incredible, right? Um, and and the makeup is done very well. Like I right. said, I didn't know, so, like I don't see Eddie Murphy in there, right. but I do see a makeup.
1: Right. Well, it was exaggerated enough to where it looked like a makeup.
0: But I just don't know.
1: And I have to say that, to his credit, there were there was low hanging fruit that he didn't go for with creating this character. I mean, still. sure. But at the same time, yes, it is nowadays kind of problematic. Like he chose to do this, but it well, comes. Well, and
0: it doesn't really add anything to the movie.
1: It, no, it doesn't. It's as a matter of fact, when we're discussing how it kind of drags, I believe in, at times there's everyone's allowed to do a bit, and the bit yeah. sometimes goes on way too long. There's the the minister. What was his name?
0: Reverend Brown. Reverend
1: Brown. That was one of our City Hall characters. Yeah, who came from a a childhood in the church. And so I'd seen him do a lot of shtick with church people, people, which is really funny. But, I'm not
0: here to pray, or I'm not if, here to, to sermon tonight, but. Right. And then goes right into a sermon, like, mm. And, and
1: uh, the, sure? the time that you see him, he's judging a beauty contest and using this as a way of, of <laughs> That's segwaying. how we know
0: that God exists.
1: Right. It's just like every one of those characters got a bit, and sometimes it went on too long, and you're watching this going, okay, this character is less interesting than the other, and we just. This added to a love story, added to. Well, we'll, we'll keep going with the yeah, plot. It just so, it drags.
0: Yeah, so he's there ostensibly to find a, a good woman, right? Mm-hmm. A bride. And so he goes to talk to the owners of this barbershop himself. <laughs> he goes to talk to himself. And they're like, oh, good women are found at these... Uh, it's like a... Community meeting? Well, well, they
1: first tried the bar where they interviewed a well, group of...
0: Yes, that's right. Um, we women, went to the bar. Which includes Arsenio Hall. That's right. Um, and, and two sets of twins? Right. Three sets of twins? Two I don't sets know of how
1: twins came through. And it's, it's actually that scene, that, it, that, some of, it's one of the scenes that actually kind of works because it's really, the, the pace is yes, really fast. Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah no, that scene does and work. Stranger, progressively stranger people at this bar. Yeah.
0: yeah. So then they go to, uh, it's a rally. Right. To raise money for the inner city. And Akeem sees Lisa McDowell, who is giving a speech to, to get them together. Right. Like, she's a community builder. And he's like, I'm in love with her.
1: Now, mind you, an interesting thing about her is that she's the daughter of a local entrepreneur. Yes. Who's played by John Amos. It was really it's nice so to see so him funny. again. He's yeah. And he's playing a, a like kind of like a new... He, ha-
0: he has literally the most fleshed out character in this whole right. he,
1: movie. And he's likable despite the fact that what he's doing is, is awful. His
0: name is McDowell. Oh. He's got this burger joint called McDowell's. Right. And then he's got basically a ripoff of McDonald's. They have the golden arches. We have the golden crescents. Right. It looks almost identical. Right. He's constantly dodging being sued by McDonald's. Uh, he's got at l- later in the movie. He's like going through a McDonald's like owner's guide, like
1: a <laughs> right. And the fact that he's very new money and really wants to associate himself with wealth in any way yes. is one of the reasons why he is hoping that his daughter, you know, the one that uh, Hakeem Lisa Hakeem has fallen in love with has
0: fallen in, fall fallen in love without mm-hmm. ever speaking to her. Yes. Her name is Lisa. Um, well,
1: because when she presents herself, she presents herself as exactly during a speech at the Sweet She's
0: well-spoken. She has thoughts in her own right. head.
1: And she's lovely. And so he sees her, and this is the woman he's coming to look for. And it, But however, her father, Lisa's father, has different plans because he really wants her to be engaged to the Glow king or prince.
0: Yes, the prince of Glow, because he...
1: His father invented the product. He doesn't seem to have product.
0: anything to do with it. His name is Daryl. Right. And it is Eric LaSalle from ER. He's always going to be from ER. With to a
1: me. really, Ooh, really. Just a moist head. Right. It's, it's, it's distracting Wet.
0: And his character is really strange to me because the first time we meet him is at this rally and we know that he has money and. He passed, like, the collection basket, as it goes in front of him, he just passes it on. He doesn't put any money in it. Now, Akeem grabs Semi's...
1: Semi, who's Arsenio Hall's character. Arsenio
0: Hall's character. His, like, um he carries the money, and he, he's got this money clip that's constantly just full of cash, and he grabs the thing and just drops the whole thing in the, in the yeah, bucket, which Daryl certainly takes credit for the next day when Lisa's like we got this huge donation you wouldn't know who that was from would you and he's like huh this character there's nothing like so it seems like he's cheap but he treats her fine and well, it, okay but he just doesn't do anything or he's just he's like oatmeal well he
1: makes well he becomes more of a character later he he does have a sense of entitlement that she just sort of belongs to him
0: yes there and, is that, um, for sure.
1: And Lisa, in the meanwhile, Lisa's sister, who, um, younger sister... Patrice. Patrice, is... I'm not sure what they were going for with her character, because she's somewhere between a gold digger and a nymphomaniac.
0: Like, um, por qué no los dos. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, I don't know why so,
0: one of those precludes the other one. Uh, well,
1: I said somewhere between the two of them. Yeah. So, oh,
0: yeah, that's right. So they have uh, tickets to a basketball game. Right. Oh, and Akeem has... Um, has applied to work at McDowell's with Semi, right. So they're both working there. Alongside
1: um, Louie Anderson.
0: Yes, Louie Anderson. Oh, a tiny baby Louie <laughs> Anderson, uh, who's very good. as Maurice. What a weird name. And, and Akeem says that he comes from goat herders.
1: That's his story.
0: That's his story. He doesn't... And that he's there as a student at the University of the United States because no research. He, he did no research quickly. before coming in. There was no Google. We can't hold it against him. Akim actually likes the work. Like he likes being useful and like taking out he the doesn't trash. Doesn't know how to
1: do it. I mean, his, he's not good his at it. His first attempt at mopping is kind of funny and abysmal. Yeah. he really he leaves the mop inside the rolling bucket and just keeps pushing it around he's as if he's, around. he's
0: doing something. Semi hates it because Semi right. really really likes his like life of leisure. Right. So they have tickets to a game. Lisa says, "Oh, you should you should come with Patrice and." you know, Daryl and me, and we'll double date to this basketball game. And at this basketball game, yeah, Patrice decides that he needs to go ahead and bend over or you know reach under his jacket and give him a handy. I'm like, what the hell kind of first-day behavior is this? <laughs> it is a little bit,
1: like, right. it, I, I don't know what they're it, going I for don't, with I, her character. Because her character, later in the film, hooks up with Semi.
0: Hooks up with Semi because uh-huh. she walks it Because Semi gets sick of it them living in a pit. I mean, it is... There's
1: actually a very friendly, enormous rat who's just wandering through the room.
0: (laughs) The the prior tenant had been killed. He was blind, and he'd been killed, and also his... Apparently, his guide dog had been killed as well, because there are like chalk outlines on the floor again, of a man and a
1: dog. That's one of the gags that works in the film. And so,
0: yeah, you, you get introduced to this room and the uh, and the owner of the building is like, it's a damn shame what they did to that dog. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so he gets sick of it and basically upgrades the room. Right. So there's like a, a jacuzzi in there and...
1: A lot of very 80s kind of neon furniture. Neon
0: furniture, some yeah. crisp-looking... Um, Actual neon <laughs> and fiber optic things right. like it's very it's 1998 it's 1988 folks it's 1988 and he walk he gets home and Patrice is just in there so that's good right way to lock your doors y'all and she's like what is all this who are you and so to protect quote unquote protect right. Akim's story he says he's the prince and that Akim is his um servant. And so Patrice is like, let me get on this.
1: Yeah, that's why I said it. I'm not really sure So what
0: for... Th- in th- that way, yeah, she was very much seeming to be a gold digger. But I think if she just arrived and he was just in the slot, like in the slovenly situation right. they had found themselves in previously and she'd been alone with them for more than three or four seconds. She also might have slovenly. Right, that's <laughs> like,
1: what I said. I'm not sure what they were going for with her character. One of the, the running jokes in the film is that Hakeem is constantly lying. He's in love with Lisa. Yes. So he be, he's lying to her constantly about being wealthy and about his background and where he came from. And part of the humor comes from there. Part of the humor comes from the fact that he's constantly taking away Simi's money. Yes. Because and finally,
0: he takes all of it. He's right, like, he takes
1: all of it, and he winds up throwing it to two homeless characters, who turn out to be oh yeah the two characters from Trading Places, yes. with Eddie Murphy, directed by John Landis, which is from nineteen eighty three, right, which is a whole callback to those other characters and yeah. how they came down in the world. Now they're going to be rich again.
0: And but he does send a mm. um, some earrings to Lisa
1: as really a secret admirers. Earrings. Yeah, they right. said
0: it was they were five hundred thousand dollar earrings. Right. So.
1: Well, it looked like a jewel attached to a jewel. It was a jewel diamond and a ruby. It. Right. Yeah. So, Semi is, like you said, he's so tired of living in sort of desperate situations that he winds up uh, wiring for more money from the king.
0: Yeah, and he goes in and wants to ask for, I think, $300,000 to start with. Right. And then basically gets talked up by. And this was actually funny because it was before its time. He's at a Western Union and he's like I'm I need right, right exactly. to the king of this country in Africa to to wire me $300,000 and she's like are are you sure that's enough and he's like should I ask for more how about 400,000 and she's like well maybe 500,000 she's like he's like oh well, I don't know, do you think that's too much? <laughs> and she goes, maybe you should just ask for a, a cool million. And he's like, you don't think that's too much? <laughs> and, and of it's just course that like,
1: thought is running through your your head as you're watching it going, is this where it came from? Like somebody That's the thing,
0: I'm like, <laughs> there was no email, there was no spam. Right. Like, it's crazy how early, for like way before its time this whole bit is. Right. It's a little bit creepy. It's like...
1: Prophetic almost, this yes. particular bit. <laughs> Oh, somebody somebody needs to make money. So he ends
0: up asking for a million dollars, which tips off the king that some shit is going down, and he arrives. He and the queen and the rose bearers and... Right, the entire entourage uh,
1: comes by and tries to find him, and at this point, Hakeem and Lisa Lisa are are falling in love with each other. Yeah,
0: she's basically broken up with Daryl because they were having a party, and with no conversation between Daryl and Lisa, Daryl and Lisa's father um, announced to everyone, and Daryl's parents, and that was actually funny. They, and the, his parents and his grandmother get up from the couch, mm-hmm. and there are just three wet spots on the back of the upholstery because <laughs> there right, is. Because of soul glow. Moist. Daryl and uh, her father go ahead and announce to everyone that he has asked her to marry him, and she has said yes, he has not asked her to marry him and she has not said yes and so she's like uh i don't really appreciate you planning out your whole life my whole life with my dad and not including me in the conversation so we're done we're not together anymore and then he sends lots of flowers and her dad is apologetic kind of little i don't know he 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 really wants her to be uh, taken care of but also, he doesn't want to provide for her in any way, I guess. I'm well, he like... does.
1: A, there's a funnier scene where he invites Hakeem over his house, and it turns out that what he's doing is that um, Hakeem thinks that this is going to be some sort of reward. He's inviting to his home as a guest, and instead he's there to basically serve drinks.
0: So, yes, he's basically a, like a cater waiter.
1: Right, so, well, Hakeem is looking around this house, which, again, screams new money with all these sort of... It
0: does, yeah, the The McDowell house right. really is a,
1: a... He's telling him, well, someday you could have a house like this, too. So, in 30, so right.
0: with so 25 to 30 years of hard work, you could have a house like this. It's just like, oh, great! That's,
1: because it's about the size of the royal bathroom, probably. Yeah. And I think that's what works really well in defining that character. Yeah, the dad, and that he really is desperately upwardly mobile. Yes. And seeing the circumstances and the situation that he comes from, you really begin to. I, I felt like appreciative of it. Like honestly,
0: I do think that he is uh-huh. the most well realized character. Right. And for all of his faults and his bad decisions, yeah, definitely likable. Right, You're on kind of his side daring. the whole time, even though he is.
1: Because it's not for him. He's really trying to set this up he for his is. daughters.
0: and And I don't think, like, he's not going to hold her to a thing. Right. There's not going to be like, well, I'm going to disown you if you don't marry so-and-so or right. whatever. That's not going to happen. No, no. He loves her. He just really wants her to be taken care of.
1: From there, there's a, a big comic scene where mm-hmm. uh, the king is they following, and, and he's really wonderful. James Earl Jones is the king. and Yes,
0: wearing a lion, a <laughs> whole-ass lion.
1: <laughs> and so he pulls this <laughs> off really well, this kind of voice of authority. It's
0: funny, I watch James Earl Jones speaking in this movie and I am seeing his mouth move and it's still kind of like it's ADR because his voice is so sort of ethereal and I'm so used to seeing it out of so many different things. Well see,
1: now there, you grew up with probably the Lion King and Darth Vader, so Mm. he he was like a voice actor to a generation and to some of us like growing up watching him in The Great White Hope.
0: Yeah, and other stuff. And I've like, seen him in a lot right. of movies, but just when he does the when he voice, does the full, the full. It's, then it's like it's like watching a puppet. <laughs>
1: yeah. It's funny because it's like I think, and I don't know if you had this experience because it was similar for me when I was a kid watching Orson Welles in a film because I'd watched him and interviewed and doing, but when he there's a speaking voice and then there's the performing voice. And then there's voice, the performance voice, which sounds yes. like thunder (laughs) literally it's
0: very much like that because when he's just talking to him it wasn't like that but then Uh, yeah he would proclaim and i was like oh damn (laughs) (laughs) the king goes to the hotel and scoops up semi who's there and semi's like praise jesus hallelujah i hate this place get me out of here and they say you know you're going to be punished and then you you're confined to our suite at the waldorf astoria right and you smell terrible, so the bathers need to bathe you, which means he's definitely getting laid, because that's like the whole joke with the right. bathers is apparently, it's it's a fluff and fold situation. <laughs> um, they give you a happy ending. I, mm.
1: That there's something like <laughs> yeah. that that they uh, that's inferred in the film.
0: So Akeem finds out that that happens, and so he puts his prince stuff back on, and he's mm. like, "All right, well, I gotta come clean. I gotta say who I am now," and. And then Daryl also is supposed to be stopping by the house. They're all gonna converge at the McDowell's house. Daryl is also gonna come try and come by because um, Mr. McDowell is like, I think I can get this smoothed over. Just come back and we'll get this taken care of because right. he doesn't want Lisa any less for Lisa not wanting him. So that's healthy. Good job. And uh, yeah, and then they all appear at different times and run into each other, and then finally. And then Patrice is like, "Oh well, that's not the prince. Your, fr- that you know, the other right. one is the prince." And then
1: again, we go into this slapstick comedy scene where everyone's converging in a room at the same time, pointing fingers, "Who's the prince? Who's not the prince?" And there's even where Eric
0: LaSalle keeps getting left, like right. just the door slammed in his face because now there's a king here. Mm-hmm. So and fuck that y'all. scene is
1: actually played at a really good speed. There's even double takes from the dog. In the y- room. Yes. Which, several which <laughs> sells that scene I think is the dog looks very confused and he doesn't know what the dog's
0: doing straight to camera sh- takes right and I'm just like,
1: the dog breaks the fourth wall several yeah, characters do several the characters well. do but I think the, the dog
0: is the most apparent right because I think the other characters do typically it's when one of the actors is under right. the, the face full of makeup right then they'll do straight to the camera shots as though going do you see who I am right do you see what I'm doing here for no reason? But that's fine. And then Lisa finds out that Akeem has lied to her this whole time. And she's not cool with that, regardless of whether he's a prince or whatever. And he's like, I would give up all the princeness. For I will become a goat, her- goat herder if right. you marry me. And she's like, you lied to me. I can't do it. And then he gets sort of picked up by the ear and taken back <laughs> to Zamundo. Um, where he's going through this wedding ceremony.
1: Right, we cut right to the wedding ceremony where he's very depressed because...
0: Because he's going to marry his yes lady. Right. Who's lovely, Right, but has no opinions of her own.
1: And the then to your surprise, with absolutely no preparation for this scene... To your surprise, sure. He lifts the veil, <laughs> and it turns out to be... And it's be Lisa! Lisa, and then he's ridiculously happy. And they happy. kiss, and
0: they say, it's too early for that, it's not time for the kissing yet. Right,
1: well, they're just, because they're standing there making it out and holding up the yeah. entire ceremony.
0: Then they get married, and then they get into a carriage, and ostensibly this carriage is moving through the people of Zamunda, mm-hmm. who are cheering and throwing things, but when you look at... The it's really badly green screened mm-hmm. or blue screened. I don't oh, know what color thing. the screen was, because it's the two of them in the carriage, and behind them, the sh- the two people, the people behind them never change. Right. But ostensibly, this carriage is moving, and I'm like, how big is the carriage? Like, how right. many people are actually on this carriage? And she's like, you would have given all of this up for me, and he's like, yup, I still will if you want. And then she's like, nah, right. and that's literally the last, last word, word of the, of the movie. Yeah. It's not even a real word.
1: I know. This troubles you
0: terribly. It was an hour and 57 minutes long. They could have given her a whole word to say. It would have still been an hour and 57 minutes long. Yeah, that's the end.
1: So this movie is...
0: It's schizophrenic.
1: This contrast between... Uh, I'll tell you my professional criticism, if I were awesome. for this.
0: Give me your professional criticism.
1: Is that I feel like it was trying to do too many things at the same time. True. And there are parts of it that work on a sort of screwball comedy level. We just saw another really good screwball comedy having yeah. No Wait, where things are going so fast, the pacing was really good. This film doesn't have that. It's trying to be a romance, and it succeeds that the, the leads look like they actually like each other, yes. which is good. They seem comfortable with each other. And eventually, not in the beginning, but eventually the romance actually feels like these are two people who are beginning to... Yeah. Be, which, so that works. Some of the comedy is problematic for a number of reasons. Well, yeah. The first of which is that it doesn't seem to make sense. He's going on about wanting to be a liberated man who uh, wants a liberated woman. And again, you have no idea where he's gotten these ideas from. Yeah, but I, I don't thing,
0: see anyone else in his culture that thinks this way. Right. Like, there's no wise teacher. There's, no, right. there's nothing. It's where are you it's getting just like these ideas? He spontaneously
1: had this thought. Yes. And the other thing is that, again... Even though the message is, I'm looking for a queen, I want them to cherish you. At the same time, it, the movie has this weird kind of misogynistic tone to it.
0: Yeah, where all of the mm-hmm. men have sex with the bathers, regardless well, of their relationship status. His father status. makes a joke,
1: like, you've not had sex? Well, I thought you were having sex with the bathers. I do, and he yes, yeah. it. It kind of takes a little bit away from how noble yeah, his character right. is supposed so to be like, in the so
0: it's like, is that going to continue now? Right. Like, what?
1: So, yeah. Which, and, I mean, and the queen is a character.
0: blah, 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 but... The Queen is a
1: character, so it feels a little disrespectful to her that he's just openly admitting, oh, yeah, I, I have sex with the bathers yeah. all the time.
0: I I right. wanted uh, the opposite of the Queen talking to somebody and being like, well, I fuck them. Right. You know, whatever, whoever it is. Well,
1: the, the other thing about the bathers too and they're played by these very beautiful women uh, they're all under 30 years old
0: yeah they're all very young they're
1: all very young and the one of
0: them, one of the rose bearers at least looked mm-hmm. she looked like 16 well I'm sure she was uh, right. of age but
1: but there's there's scenes in there where
0: and where there's just toplessness for n- no reason right
1: and that's what plays into another thing that is problematic about the film is that we just finished watching Black Panther yes and so here's it's this sort of similar idea of an African state free from colonialism, and this is what it would look like, allowed to develop on its own. And this movie still bears like a very kind of Western or oh, yeah. European colonialism version of what Africans are like. Mm-hmm. They dance around, for every everything has a tribal dance. People are wearing quetzal feathers, which I don't know that you can find in Africa. But there's they lots of dancing, and there's lots of acrobatics, and so that kind of stereotypical notion that they're just sort of this sort of jubilant, dark-skinned people who are dancing for no particular reason all the time. All the time, yeah. And are slightly... Po- all those stereotypes actually do get fed into. So it's like it's, it's walking this really strange line between showing a film with an African lead who is romancing this woman, who and everything sort of goes his way, and I can understand maybe from the point of view of someone like Eddie Murphy... I mentioned this to you earlier. I'm sure that growing up, he didn't get to see this between black people.
0: He wanted to to make a romantic comedy with black leads. Awesome. Uh, Then do that. I don't know what all of this extra over-the-top comedy pieces are there for. And
1: I think if I was going to cut the film, and it's...
0: You could cut 30 minutes off this movie. I could cut the entire
1: beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. I could cut the entire beginning of the movie. It would be funnier if you showed these two guys... Coming to I think it
0: could have you could have right. started at the meal scene, right? With the with the father because I do kind of like uh-huh. that that distance and the intercom and the and the, yeah, yeah that was just how the, opulent the everything really is. But the whole beginning where he's getting up and being bathed and being dressed like he's a baby.
1: I yeah I don't know that that added anything to what we were. I think it detracted right. from it. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, watching this movie. The sense that I got was you—you you could have taken that out. I, if I was gonna redo the film, I would actually take out the entire beginning, so that you don't know until the end whether he's a prince or not. And then James Earl Jones shows up in Lion Skin, but that would have been the way that I would have done it.
0: Yeah, that would—that's interesting. Yeah. But
1: that was, and again, film student coming back, like, how could I have done this? How could it, it? Yeah. It just—it added so, it so much time to the movie. So much
0: time, and I some of the characters really need flushing out. Like Daryl really needed to be fleshed out, and. That character is always gets short shrift. The right. the boyfriend or the girlfriend that inevitably the is no longer going right. to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend. When you don't want to make them a villain, mm-hmm. then they just inevitably become this sort of bland nothing person. So that we right. don't, we're not mad when the character leaves them or cheats on them or whatever they're going to the do. The problem is
1: it creates a conflict because you're the viewer. You're watching this woman. Attached to this person who has no personality. Right, so you're going, and then
0: you're like, well, "What's wrong with her?" Then
1: right, it's like, "Well, yeah, why is she making this stupid decision?" This person obviously is uh, worth it, um, and then you start questioning them as a character. Yeah. it's a bad setup. One of the things that bothered me as a kid or a uh, teen growing yeah. up when I began to understand the whole romantic triangle part of Phantom of the Opera was, "What's so interesting about this other guy?" <laughs> you know, right. that was always like the Phantom well, of the he Opera has a so, whole face, right? So. Well, <laughs> especially.
0: Sometimes that's all you're looking for to do is a whole face version of it were shallow
1: was very much like the Phantom is so interesting why does she run off with the other guy <laughs> because yeah. he's kind of really boring H- whole,
0: face. whole face
1: well okay you know uh,
0: I understand ladies be shallow <laughs> <Neither
1: did. laughs> but yeah, going back to this film it's just I felt like I was pulled in all sorts of different directions I didn't know exactly where to go with it and again that Saturday Night Live school of humor where yeah. we're all going to have characters doing and, this
0: and he ends up you uh-huh. know this is the clumps movies right and right. the the, the various movies like that where he is all of the characters. Right. And that this is maybe the first one of those, but it's only like, it only sort of dips its toe into that right. And I'm just like, do that or do this romantic comedy. But it doesn't which I felt to be both.
1: They both worked as separate things, but not sure, necessarily exactly. together. I felt like the romantic part worked. Mm-hmm. I felt like the comedy worked. You know, you know and, but as I felt
0: it, it was problematic, you yes. it went together,
1: it, well, some of it, it was.
0: Detracted, it detracted. Each like side detracted from the other.
1: It's kind of like... um.
0: And it was not like a 50-50 thing. It was right. like a 75-25, maybe? Yeah, it was
1: oddly lopsided.
0: So when you've got a two-hour movie that feels half an hour too long, what I right. want to do is cut the 25% that doesn't right. really fit. I don't know. Anyhow. Yeah.
1: That was the movie. <laughs>
0: so apparently there were some bad feelings on set and then bad feelings after the right, movie came out. I so John Landis had directed, as we talked about before, Eddie Murphy in Trading Places, and then Eddie Murphy tapped John Landis to direct this five years later, four years later. There was bad blood on the set, apparently. Eddie Murphy had really was really feeling himself. So John Landis quotes or calls, says... The guy on Trading Places was young and full of energy and curious and funny and fresh and great. The guy on Coming to America was the pig of the world. Wow. But I still think he's wonderful in the movie. And he is very good in the movie. He's very engaging.
1: Now, John Landis is also a problematic guy. Yes, well. He's a very problematic guy. I mean... um,
0: There's a longer uh thing from an Eddie Murphy quote. This is on the Uh Wikipedia page. Apparently there was a physical confrontation. We had a tuss... This is from Eddie Murphy. We had Mm. a tussling confrontation. We didn't come to blows. Personalities didn't mesh. I grabbed him, and he thought I was playing. So he tried to grab my balls, and I pushed him away. Wow. And then I'm like instantly with Terry Crews and the fucking... Mm. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why is that the move if you're... Mm." Mm. Hey, every director and producer in the 80s... Keep your hands on your own balls. <laughs> Don't touch anybody else's balls. And then he says that he, d- he had been, he had directed him in Trading Places and really him, liked so it, yeah. liked him. And he was coming off of three flops, including the suit about the Twilight Zone. No, the, yeah. So John Landis's career was pretty much in the toilet. There was a, a accident on set with a helicopter mm-hmm. right. that killed three people, including two children. Is two that children right?
1: and Vic Morrow, the actor, Jennifer Jason Leigh's father.
0: Oh wow, I didn't know oh, that. Yeah. It doesn't make it worse or better. Neither it's was. just I just didn't know. Yeah, that that
1: her, and the killed, a helicopter mm-hmm. dropped on them, and there was a lawsuit. There was a lot of um, a lot of stuff came out about how really kind of rowdy and. Out of control, a lot of the the filming was. The kids Mm -hmm. should not have been working those hours. Those hours, even. There should have been... I mean, not that it was any better to kill stunt doubles, but what...
0: They shouldn't have been there. It was a recreation of a
1: Vietnam scene, Mm -hmm. and there was not enough care taken for all the pyrotechnics, Gotcha. and it blew a piece of shrapnel into the rotor blade of the helicopter. Into the rotor of the helicopter. There's nothing you can do at that point. Right. The, I'm so, sure that
0: oh then it must have killed more than three people because the helicopter pilot probably no they survived they did yeah oh, with um, huge amounts of guilt they
1: survived and there's a horrible <sighs> I remember seeing some of the footage that came out at the trial of just a helicopter dropping on people that was horrible oh god horrifying. that's horrifying yeah I'm like yeah I didn't need to see that but he, and
0: then a, that movie still came out which is uh-huh. a little bit mind blowing well to that me.
1: scene wasn't in the film
0: well let's hope not
1: John Landis was a very hot shot director though and that was coming down.
0: Yeah, um, well, that was that's that's what mm-hmm. the the quote goes on to say. He says, "I I want to give him a shot," and then he says, "quote I was going out of my way to help this guy, and he fucked me over. Now he's got a hit picture on his resume, a movie that made over two hundred million, as opposed to him coming off a couple of fucked up movies, which is where I'd rather see him right now." Right. But then, so that was nineteen eighty eight. Uh-huh. Six years later, they collaborated again on Beverly Hills Cop three. So, mm-hmm. it yeah. was they must have gotten over it, right. or, you know...
1: What I wanted to talk about more of yeah. them is the, the court case that came from this, because I really want to address the the Art wall thing. Yes. And the fact that what it, this movie could have been and what it wound up being, because we're criticizing on the basis of almost like a modern framing of this film. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of this that's problematic, but...
0: So, Art Buchwald mm-hmm. is a writer humorist and writer a darling of the east coast literati i don't know he had a long standing column right in like Um, washington post and the washington post focused on political satire and commentary so he sued paramount pictures after the film was released because, do you want to talk about it, or do you want me to talk well,
1: about it? Well, I, I want to read the, the the synopsis, but he, essentially, he pitched a screen treatment for a movie called It's a Crude, Crude World.
0: Yes, so in 1982, right. he met...
1: Jeffrey Katzenberg.
0: Oh, it was Jeffrey Katzenberg of Paramount, pitched this with the intent of starring Eddie Murphy, who right. was under contract to Paramount back when that was a thing. I don't think that's a thing anymore. And the synopsis, and then it was renamed King for day. Right. The synopsis was as follows. This is a rough one. Okay. Buckle in.
1: A rich, educated, arrogant, extravagant, despotic African potentate comes to America for a state visit. After being taken on a grand tour of the United States, the potentate arrives at the White House. A gaffe in remarks made by the president infuriates the African leader. His sexual desires are rebuffed by a black woman, State Department officer assigned to him. He is requested by the president to continue to serve as the potentate's United States exor- uh, escort. Escort. While in the United States, the potentate is deposed, deserted by his entourage, and left destitute. He ends up in the Washington ghetto, is stripped of his clothes, and befriended by a black lady. The potentate experiences a number of incidents in the ghetto, and obtains employment as a waiter. In order to avoid extraction, he marries the black lady who befriended him, and becomes the emperor of the ghetto, and lives happily happily ever after.
0: Extradition, but yes, other than that, yeah. That movie sounds terrible.
1: And so... This is, which doesn't not uh, much resemble this film at all. It doesn't. Um, What is really problematic about that synopsis is the notion that you're writing about a rich, wealthy, despotic that's worth black man who has to be brought down in the world and live in a ghetto to be happy. Yeah. And that is the worst possible message. And then becomes
0: the king King of the the ghetto, ghetto, marries a woman for convenience.
1: Right. But this is all because he's such an uh, an infant apparently. Um, He misunderstands the president's comments and he's angry that a woman has rebuffed his sexual advances. He's just a big child um, and he gets it taken away from him and then he winds up basically coming down in the world. And I
0: guess it's the idea if he gets extradited they're going to kill him because he was a despot. Right. Like Yeah, this sounds terrible.
1: But, yeah, it's... So it's like... I can understand if this fell into the hands of somebody. Why would Eddie Murphy want to do this?
0: Well, they optioned it Uh in in, in 1983, commissioned several unsuccessful scripts, no kidding. Right. Uh, After two years, Paramount abandoned it, and it was picked up by Warner Brothers, optioned by Warner Brothers in 1986. In 1987... Paramount began to develop this movie based on a story by Eddie Murphy to be directed by John Landis. The outline was, quote, similar. Mm. <laughs> then in 1988, Warner Brothers canceled their version of the thing. And so Art Buchwald is left with... Or Buchwald with Buchwald, no. Buchwald. No, 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 no. I know, I'm like, why does that sound familiar to me? That's, That's why funny, it sounds so <laughs> familiar. Um, Buchwald... Uh, is left without, basically without anybody having bought the option Mm -hmm. to his thing. And then um, he sued after the fact that they um, reneged because the contract with Paramount stated that he would be paid a certain amount if his treatment were made into a film, and he thinks that the film that they made was close enough to the treatment that he had provided. The decision was actually, he won in court. And rather than appealing, because Paramount didn't want every writer that they'd ever stiffed to right. come after them, they just they paid him nine hundred thousand um, dollars. And what happened, that like the the aftermath or like the the sort of downfall that happened was Paramount had to open its books, right? Because the movie had made two hundred eighty eight million dollars. The movie didn't cost two hundred and eighty eight million dollars to make, but they were claiming a net profit of zero. Mm. And they were claiming that they pay the writer based on a percentage of net profit. Well, if your net profit's zero, I I'd give you hundred percent of that. That's mm. not a problem. And it turns out that the way that Paramount and likely every other studio at the time calculated what they were gonna pay, calculated what they were gonna pay to the writers was real fucked up math that then got exposed to everyone and they couldn't do that anymore they would double they would say that they had to pay x amount for a thing and it was one thing that they basically said they paid for like four or five times uh, repeatedly throughout the process Um, i'm sure the sec also was like i'm sorry how much are you saying that you're profiting because that's some bullshit and we're going to want some taxes off of that as well irs Yeah, you had thought that this, like, bankrupted Paramount. I thought it had a bigger (laughs) effect than
1: it did, but I remember there was a lot of sensationalistic media around it at the time, especially about Paramount's Paramount's decision with what they did, how they handled it. How they handled it, yeah. Having looked at Art Buchwald's, you know, the idea behind his story... Sounds terrible. It sounds terrible, and I'm really glad that film never got made because, you know, it is one thing to see... And, and, and this does become a race issue. It's one thing to see, you know, a white character go through these same changes. Yeah. But to see a black person, once again, reduced to living in a ghetto. Yeah. And that somehow puts him in his place. There's an awful lot yeah. of that, that kind of really yeah. awful feeling. And yeah, even,
0: if, if this is your life, right. you should be happy. Right. So quit complaining. Look how like, much really? happier your
1: life is now than when you were a king. That's terrible, and, yeah. And somehow the, the lack of, of ability to be a king also. I really appreciate the fact that this is the movie that came out of that.
0: Yeah,
1: um, that you had a movie where at least you got to see sort of African people thriving and living in their own community. Yeah, no, it's true. Living in a castle, although I think they have, although, a think they have
0: a, probably a real one percent issue that right was similar because you to. never see life outside well, the castle.
1: Yeah, that's which true. Is the the but
0: and mo- but like ninety percent of the people that you see in the castle are servants. That's right. not great.
1: Right. Exactly. <laughs> so.
0: I'm glad and by ninety percent, I'm misspeaking when I'm saying I should be saying ninety-nine percent of the people that you, everybody but the prince and his feminism. parents, and yeah,
1: because yeah, every even semiism,
0: uh, semi, he's a, a servant.
1: servant, yeah. So I appreciate the fact that what we got to see was a better sort of version of a fairy tale that was aimed primarily at audiences who never got to see things like this. Yeah, you know, I, I remember growing up in the decade before this, all the black families you saw were living in the ghetto. And they were servants, mm-hmm. you know. When you're watching television shows, they're all broke. They're all poor.
0: Moving on up.
1: Right, <laughs> except for the Jeffersons, which was all about how new money handles situations, and
0: it's, so it's all and the Huxtables were
1: on right. by this point. But the Huxtables, uh, that was a, a second. That was the sh- know, that, that was, that was like second that was generation kind of a change where you could see black people being successful. And even when Cosby did that show, there was a lot of resentment towards it, even inside the black community, where Flip Wilson did a show about a family just getting by, and he said, this is the black version of the Cosby show.
0: That's unfortunate. Well, we were watching United Shades of America this week. It was about historically black colleges and universities, which are largely responsible for that black middle class that came Mm -hmm. up in the late 70s, 80s, 90s, giving people an education that they were not able to get previously without right. <laughs> just obstacles Danger that of were life and limb. generally too steep to breach and and it's it,
1: it's what makes what's happened with Cosby such a great pity it is really deflating because he did do something really positive and it throws that entire legacy into this kind of yeah,
0: but he's been problematic for a long time, even outside of his treatment of women.
1: Well, when he got older, he became very sort of problematic. I
0: mean, he got real. Get off my lawn. Pull up your pants.
1: Right, kind of.
0: Really using the N word against his own people, like what he what right. <sighs> are you, yeah he's
1: there was a there was a period of time though when he was actually representing a, a kind of a vision moving forward. Right. That we don't have to be poor all no. the time, that we don't have to be seen as we can
0: be upper middle class, right. upper class, Yeah, well-educated, and so yeah, well-paid well for that education, which I think is the other side to that, because mm-hmm. the most well-educated group in the United States is African American women, right. so let's pay them. Right. Let's, let's pay them now, because well-educated only goes so far right. until they get paid for it.
1: But so overall, what would you say? Did you, did you like the movie or did you? Because you you were having a decision or you were wrestling with it.
0: Overall, uh huh. Um, I'm glad I watched it because now I get some jokes that I didn't necessarily right. know where they came from. Although, the, I mean, it's not hard to get that soul glow song. That's just, just funny. There's right. nothing else to it. Do I ever need to watch it again? Mm-mm. I've got Black Panther on DVD over there right. or Blue ray even. Uh, I don't. I'd rather watch like Love and Basketball if I want to watch black people fall in love, and I'll watch you know an actual comedy if here's, I want to watch a
1: comedy. Like here's the thing though, you have a choice. Yes. And back then there was there a lot there of maybe wasn't.
0: Yeah, and no, the that's other fair. thing
1: is that I think that. I'm not again,
0: mad it was no, no, made. No, no. <laughs> in, in
1: defending the film. And again, I, it's not like I like it, especially because it's not necessarily what I like. Um,
0: and I, I actually think that know really a good with comedies. lot of people right. who. So this movie came out when I was eight. Right. Um, and I think if you watch God, this movie so when you're 15, 16, mm-hmm. there's a lot to really like there.
1: Right. I
0: think watching it as a 37 year old woman, 38 year old woman, I don't know how old I am. Uh, there's less to like.
1: But there. I feel like what happened is, as we were saying, is and you were, saying, we're
0: 30 years on, right? So is that at the time as I we, have options?
1: <laughs> you have other options of yeah. films that you can watch. Yeah, you can watch Moonlight. Right? Yeah, you can watch something really that could have never been made. Then. No, that's true. And um, and so as a result,
0: hashtag blast. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm hashtag blast. <blessed. laughs> Um, for those of you in the studio audience or the <laughs> listening audience, the expression that went along with that was oh. actually really funny. Oh, okay. I don't um, know what my face looks like, so but I think that there were more options open to you and it was almost as if Eddie Murphy I really feel this would be more or Eddie Murphy than John Landis, and the black cast of really wonderful black actors. Yeah. I mean I saw some guys I'm like, Oh my god, whatever happened. I,
0: I love John Amos. Yeah.
1: But um, and the
0: dude that plays their landlord is really great. Um, right, Faison, yeah, Frank Faison. Frank, I'm not a big fan of the I'm gonna dress up as 14 characters and be all the characters thing right. for, from anybody. Mike Myers, too, D- don't, don't, don't love it. Uh,
1: but I mean, when you're watching this movie, you're watching okay, so John Amos, Madge Sinclair, who I saw a lot back then.
0: That's the what the Queen, the, the Queen, right? the yeah.
1: queen. Uh, Frankie Faison, you're right, Frankie Faison, yeah. Um and Calvin Lockhart.
0: Yeah, no, there were a lot of great actors Yeah, and they
1: didn't really, a lot didn't get to have this sort of...
0: And Eric LaSalle was great. Right. You know, for what he was given, he was He great. worked with what he had. He just wasn't anything. He comes across anything. Cuba
1: Gooding Jr. is in the movie, too.
0: Yes, as boy um, who gets haircut or something like that. Um but oh, and Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel
1: L. Jackson, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so there's a lot of there's a lot of great stuff in this movie, but I think that going like the reason why I would defend it even to a modern audience, even though it's hard at times, parts of it are very hard to take is the reason why it comes across so kind of underdeveloped in some areas and so overdeveloped in others or some parts work and some parts don't is because you didn't have all the choices you have nowadays.
0: Yeah, that's true. So
1: they put everything Everything into one film. Everything into one, yeah. So it's like, well, we're not going to see a black black romantic comedy. We're not going to see a black adventure comedy. We're not going to see... So we're gonna satire, we're, we're gonna, gonna make sort it of one thing it all yeah. together and try to appeal to as many people in the audience. Yeah. As they can. And so that's and probably I
0: mean, the movie made, like I said, right? and it, million it worked dollars. that
1: formula worked for that audience. It wouldn't work nowadays, I think, with an audience because there's just too much There's that, more choice. Tyler Perry right.
0: exists in the world and, right, so. exactly.
1: and Tyler Perry's kind of hitting the denominator. And he's making one of each of these,
0: these every quarter you know, right. or whatever.
1: But I don't think his, the quality of his work is actually up to this either. This is a lot more, and I haven't seen all of his work, to be fair. No, that's true. But it felt, like I said, the romance felt genuine. There were parts of this movie that felt really kind of honest and funny. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of a thing with, with um, I feel a lot with Eddie Murphy too. Because as much as I hated The Nutty Professor.
0: Yeah, and those clumps movies, right. which but as you, much I'm as sure that, you haven't seen. No,
1: but I saw The Nutty <laughs> Professor um, with my old roommate when we were living in Alameda, basically because he was going on uh, Eddie Murphy about how much he loved working with Rick Baker. But there were scenes... Did Rick in, Baker
0: do all of uh, those too?
1: There were scenes in the film where, there's a scene in the movie where um, Eddie Murphy's character in the fat suit, which is... yeah, He's... With yeah, Jada Pinkett, I love anybody
0: uh, in a fat suit.
1: And they show up at a comedy club, and the comedian starts, you know, who's not doing great in his routine, sees this Eddie Murphy's character, and so just and just and you see Eddie Murphy's character like trying to laugh along with it, and there's like this slow close up on his face.
0: He's an extremely he good actor, and he
1: just doesn't. It's like he doesn't trust himself to it. He doesn't. But that scene, that it's might like, be damn, it. It really might right. be
0: a. I don't want to expose myself right. in something. a way that, Cause that I, dramatic acting would require me I to do. I don't know that
1: he, and maybe he could, I don't know that he could have played that scene without all the makeup on. Because that right. scene is because so... because it would have been too close. Right. Like, it
0: would have been And it's very brief, but personal. really
1: painful. And you're looking at it going, God, he really sold it. And I remember... My roommate was a you know a film student at the time who just looked at each other like, God, where did that come from? Yeah. The no, I think that movie, He
0: really pulled it off. Comedy is fucking... It's hard. Right. And so whenever I see somebody go from comedy to drama, I'm like, of course right. they can. Yeah. Of course they can. If they choose to. Right. <laughs> and he has chosen to avoid I think that's a, to avoid a problem that.
1: that is a plague on comedians, even modern ones, or even to, you know, what was the God, who I saw the other day doing a dramatic part, it just didn't work because he kept trying to, Jim Carrey, when he was doing, you know, trying to do drama.
0: Jim Carrey can do drama. He can,
1: but that's the problem, When Again, he
0: is with a director who right. will make him stop.
1: And that's what basically what you need. You need a, a strong director to guide them through the performance yes. because if not, just, like, tell the actor, tell him, You're doing good. Don't overdo it. You don't need to be funny. Just kind of play it straight. Right,
0: And when he starts to do the joke, lean into the thing that's comfortable to get him the fuck away from that. Yeah. Because otherwise you have a Jim Carrey or a Mike Myers who is unleashed in a way that is
1: not entertaining.
0: And yet we have a whole movie of it.
1: Well, I'm thinking of the director for the series of Unfortunate Events.
0: The movie, not the, the, movie, the film, not the, the, not the Netflix, Netflix series, series,
1: where he just um, leaned into Jim Carrey, just do what you want, show don't. up and do what you want, and don't do that. And so he's doing different takes, and he's uh, he's working with really and young performers who don't know how to interact work with this yet. With
0: the, it doesn't work right. with the material. But the same thing with fucking Mike Myers in the Cat in the Hat. Like, uh, why are you making this sexual? Right. These are children's. Picture books. These are children's assholes, icons. yeah.
1: Um, and so the cat can you in the hat not turn your tail
0: into a dick? Uh, That'd be great.
1: I I didn't <sighs> see. It. I couldn't get past the first part of the Grinch for, which again apparently was really uh, a really wonderful. I believe that was also Rick Baker. Yes, makeup job and the he film. might be doing
0: the new one too. Yeah. No, he, no, no. It's animated. So for
1: everyone out there, Rick Baker is a wonderful, wonderful man,
0: and he has beautiful white hair. He's very
1: soft-spoken, too. I, he just
0: a, made himself look like Christopher Lee. Right. Put it on the Facebook page, because uh, it's there's very There's a picture cool. of him
1: as Count Doku and, uh Christopher Lee. And again, it's only his face, because he admitted, I can't pull off, you know, Rick Baker is not a tall man. He's not. And Christopher he's Lee was 6'5". He's an average-sized five. man. So it's like, yeah, yeah, the disparity. As long as there's nothing to give a sense of scale. We so we've got it.
0: one... Thumbs sideways and one thumbs up. I, I,
1: I'm giving a thumbs up in appreciation of when the film was made. Yeah. And saying you didn't have the choice to see all these different movies, so they threw everything at you.
0: And I'm saying we live mm-hmm. in 2018. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right. And I am so not needing to watch this you, movie again. You don't
1: need to watch it again, but at the same time... But kind listen of, to
0: that Soul Glow song. Right. Like sexual Chocolate. The music in the, su- in the movie was right. actually really good.
1: But I just appreciate the fact that there was a... That this, you know... It has a place historically. There's a context for this movie. And I'm sure that it was a step forward. And we're getting now able to have more choices because... Of that. Someone took the hit (laughs) way back when. So I just appreciate it in that context. And that way I would give it like a thumbs up. And oh, that takes me back to Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel. I miss them.
0: R.I.P. Do you have a recommendation this week?
1: Uh... I do, but it's a guarded recommendation.
0: Uh-oh.
1: Okay. Um, I went to see a movie with you.
0: Yes, we saw a movie. We had
1: Time to Kill. Actually, we never have Time to no. Kill, but...
0: Uh, <laughs> I want to watch a movie. I have movie pass. I must watch movies. Well, movie
1: theaters are air-conditioned, and I didn't want to be working in the yard balls this weekend. weekend. Uh, I had yard work to do, and I was trying to put it off until it was a little cooler. And we wound up watching a movie called... Upgrade. Which... I with a baby
0: Tom Hardy, it's not Tom Hardy. no, it just looks like Tom Hardy's little brother.
1: <laughs> I saw I had no expectations of it going into: I it. had
0: never even seen a trailer for it. this is the this is the cleanest I've ever gone into a movie right. I think
1: Well, this was the uh, the director, right?
0: Uh, the director was Lee Wannell. right who did the and the writer. Titles. Who started with Saw and...
1: Moved on to Insidious and... Which was actually a series of movies I enjoy.
0: He's written a lot of stuff. I like watching that progression because with Saw, he was just like, fuck it, me and my buddy are going to make this movie that nobody wants to give us money to make.
1: Which sounds like what we're planning, but that's a whole other story.
0: And... They fucking did the damn thing, right. and Saw has its issues. I know that you don't love it. I, I it's a genre, uh, genre, genre. No genre. genre. Say genre. We uh. live in America, <laughs> and you're not Christopher Lee.
1: Um, Sorry. These, uh, <laughs> it's one I don't appreciate because I just—it's like the aesthetic of the films are really gloomy and kind of. Yeah,
0: I right. fell off the Saw wagon, but I really did like it the first one. Painful. Yeah, yeah, it'll catch up. But I like that he has right, continued no. and been and successful. That's Back when like, I was a I film that's student, awesome. this,
1: these, were, these people wound up being your heroes, you know, the ones that just went out and did it. Um, but I like the later stuff. I love the Insidious movies. Yeah, I, it I like him
0: in, uh, with, um, what's her name, Elaine? What's Elaine. Her name? Um, in, in the Insidious movies, right. he plays, like, her assistant, one of her assistants, and I think he's He's actually funny. much funnier.
1: I thought, he, yeah. Yeah. I think his performance in Saw suffered from the fact that he was in there He was
0: next to Carrie Ellis. Right. What are you going to do?
1: Actual actors, and then there's the... It's
0: really a Quentin Tarantino next to Harvey, Harvey Keitel moment. So like, right. hmm, this is going to be bad for you, You're see the
1: John Travolta, Harvey Keitel, and Samuel Jackson, and you're... You're going to you look, look like a noob, because no, you, you know like what you do. are? A noob. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I saw this movie, and there's elements of RoboCop. There's elements of, now that I've seen it, Ghost in the Machine. Uh, there's elements you mean Ghost of in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. There's elements of The Six Million Dollar Man.
0: Yeah, I, when um, I heard what it was, or figured out what it was, I was like, ooh, are those people who are making the $6 million man mad? And right. it turns out they just lost their director. They're supposed to start oh. filming right now, this summer. They're supposed to be filming it. Right. And they may give the directing to Mel Gibson because he's playing the Oscar role. Oh, really? And so they've got a director on So he's staff. doing a comeback. Mm, sure.
1: Who knows? So Logan Marshall Green...
0: Yes. Is that's his the name. guy. Baby Tom Hardy. Um, Tom Hardy's right. little brother.
1: So he, he winds up. Um, I don't want to give away too much of the plot, although it would be impossible not to because it's basically kind of a revenge plot. Yeah. Um, and he's also implanted with a device that speaks to him directly. He can hear it. As we were talking, as we were watching the film that we mentioned a few weeks ago, reviewing 2001, how it influenced everything. Yeah, super and influenced a, this. Yes, super the calm uh, delivery of the robot of really the reminds AI, you of yeah. me of Hal, or the machine, rather. And so it's an action movie, but the only warning I would give people going into it... Oh, there's some very violent it's, action. There's some extreme violent action in yeah. this film. And,
0: uh, it's like you're going along and this mm-hmm. is a movie. It's interesting and this, that, and the other. And Oh, how he's moving is really interesting. and Oh, this, that, and the other. And then, holy balls, that's gross.
1: <laughs> well, yes, there's a couple of scenes where the machine, now that it's been implanted in him, there's fight scenes that are both funny and really violent at the same time. Yeah. They're funny because the machine just assumes control of his body. so He well, moves in a
0: really interesting way.
1: Has this kind of blank and sometimes horrified expression on his face. Well, his body is doing martial arts independently, and it winds up looking kind of hysterical
0: because right. it was
1: a really good performance. He's horrified, and his yeah. arms and legs are kicking him and, and
0: hitting targets and being really destructive. Stabbing. It's, right. Uh, it, but, gets, it gets pretty violent. It reminded
1: me of RoboCop in that in that film, too, watching it as a kid. There are moments where it was like surprisingly violent. Right.
0: Not satire, though. It's um, not satire, It's not though.
1: satire. It's a very serious kind of, Not very serious. It's a serious action movie, though. There's not right. a lot of humor to it's,
0: this. It, but I feel like if, you, if you're a person who enjoyed The Raid,
1: right. this is a
0: movie yes. that you'll like.
1: Because it has a lot of sort of really well-staged action scenes. Yeah, it was it fun. A, it was
0: there's really There's also fun.
1: some really good uh, kind of futurist elements to it, too. Yes. That I liked. Yeah. Because it takes place in sort of an alternate future. We don't know how far in the future this one is. Yes, it's, not it's like the we put future. The date it doesn't in say. the title of the movie. <laughs> but
0: two thousand one doesn't have to mean it takes place in two thousand one. It could just be rolling the dice. Could be the name of the ship. You don't know. Well there we are. Um, yeah, no, it's in the future.
1: Right, but an indeterminate future at some point and they don't sort of which is good. But there's, uh, yeah, the action scenes, the chase scenes are all really well staged. The performer, uh, and maybe it's taking him down a notch to, you know, say that he's baby Tom Hardy because he was actually very no, good. No, he's very good, and but
0: he really looks like Tom <laughs> okay. Hardy's little brother. Like that's not right. detracting in no, any no, way. No, but I legitimately I mean, thought it was Tom Hardy when I saw it at first. I was like
1: Logan Marshall Green. Just remember the name. And then you can call him baby Tom Hardy. Okay. But just remember that this this guy's out there. He doing is
0: a real actor. He's he doing has good work. previous credits. He has previous he's credits. He's very good in this. And whoever, yeah, they got to be his um, physical coach. Right. The work that he did to get his body to do the things that it does right. is very impressive.
1: And he's he's on his way. I'm out. like,
0: do you know how to pop and lock? That's what that's the only it thing did. I can it, think is he he moves very much like one of those dancers. Right, those because
1: to 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 inform you of the reason why that happens is that there are moments when his the machine this machine that's been implanted him simply takes over his body. Takes over dependent. his body.
0: So he is right, not so
1: but again the performance, the contradiction between the fact that he looks horrified by what his body is able to do right, right. and he's like, you know, cringing while his hands are flying around doing yeah. it's really funny. Yeah. He's been in Prometheus, he's been in across the universe. He's uh or does he sing? Um, I don't remember him. He was in Devil, which was a horror movie that I really liked.
0: Well, who was he in Devil?
1: He was one of the guys in the elevator. Uh, he was the mechanic who they suspect of being a terrorist. Okay, thank you. Um, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. He was... Uh, yeah, so he's, he's going yeah. places. He's I'm,
0: been in a lot of stuff and hopefully he'll be in more stuff because he's very good. As a matter of fact, this film... Maybe he played Tom Hardy's little brother or something. <laughs> this film I m- enjoy Tom Hardy very much.
1: Merits a, yes, we both enjoy <laughs> Tom Hardy. Uh, I think the film merits a sequel...
0: Yeah, Certainly. I think this this movie could be a sequel. And Lee and Blumhouse are fucking very good at that. Right,
1: they're really good at laying like, down a instance, franchise. Like, for instance,
0: they're finally going to make the Purge movie that I have wanted to see since the right. first Purge movie. Which and there's is, another example. How the serious fuck right. did we get to this decision?
1: The Purge movies Versi is another good example of I a should film. Have known. <laughs> <laughs> of another film that has something to say, but it's so violent that it yeah. can be off-putting. And yeah. so if you're going to see a film like The Purge or like this... You have to just give everyone a warning. This is not for everybody.
0: Yeah, no, this is a hard R rated movie. Mm-hmm. It really works. There. It's not just some random tits at the beginning or rating. Right. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's some serious violence. But I, I had a lot of fun. Right. I did. No, as awful. much
1: as you can. It was an enjoyable film. The performances are good. It worked for me.
0: Cool. I, I like that one too. I co signed that. But okay. I want to recommend season two. I think they're calling it volume two. Of Dear White People on Netflix. Netflix. I haven't caught up with
1: the the first season. If you haven't seen
0: the first season, watch the first season. I have now watched each season in a day. So that's how fast you can watch them. They're 25 to 30 minute episodes and there's 10 of them per season. So Uh you can bang it out pretty quick. Uh, I watched all of them one Saturday afternoon and then the other ones like last Friday night. Uh (laughs) I just started watching them at 6 and then I was done by midnight before that.
1: I enjoyed watching the first season for the I liked the
0: movie. Right. And I liked what the show did from the movie. Yeah,
1: I enjoyed the movie too. Um, I think that just what we were talking about earlier, the fact that there's enough diversity in storytelling to where you can tell this story too. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really good. And when you're watching the first season, there's a lot of diverse opinions. Yes. You know, it's not in this one too. It really breaks down the illusion of monolithic black opinion. Yes, there are black conservatives. There mm-hmm. are gay and straight, and people who haven't Thompson figured it out. Tessa
0: Thompson plays a black conservative in right. this season. I love seeing Tessa Thompson everywhere. And, and it's not necessarily played, so played for laughs
1: bad. either. It's played nope. for these are people who are serious about their opinions and yep. they disagree with you because they believe this and you believe that. Yep.
0: And they come from this, and you come from that, and and, yeah. There's
1: every character, you're able to see every character from every other character's point of view.
0: Well, that's how they set it up. Every episode sort of revolves around a particular student or character, and then you get other, other things in each episode. It's not just their thing, but you see, and it's like the same, you know, it's typically like the same week or whatever. Right. Um but it's told from each different piece's, uh, student's point of view. And so 5 minutes into one episode you'll see something that happened 25 minutes into three episodes ago. Like yeah. a, a punch is thrown and something happens and then you see the it what, another part of the room and what what I like about that kind of there.
1: storytelling is that anybody can come into it and see themselves in one of these characters. Yeah, regardless of or color. many of them. Right, because there is the black woman who, young black woman who is, on the one hand, sort of like a glamour queen, and and then you get her story, and you realize there's a hell of a lot more behind yeah. it mm-hmm. that makes her make this decision. Yeah. And so, in the beginning, you're seeing her from other people's point yeah, of view. Yeah, you're
0: like, what the fuck is wrong with her? And, and then, then you see like, her episode oh. and you're like,
1: oh, again. Right. It. And then there's a character you're meant to associate with, which is the lead, uh, more or less, because it, uh, despite the fact it's an ensemble cast, it is very certainly a lead.
0: Trueer in first season than second right. season, I but
1: would say. you see her from other points of view and understand that maybe her radicalism that seems very righteous at one point is actually very extreme in another, and mm-hmm. almost hypocritical at times. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and you so, get more of that this season Right, as well. you, yeah.
1: you get the sense that, okay, not everyone is... And
0: this picks up pretty much right, right. where the other one leaves off. Um, it's a little bit later, but, uh-huh. like, within a month. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's really good. Yeah, Eight characters, characters. looking forward to characters. actually
1: finishing the first season, which yeah. I have yet to do. You
0: should re... Maybe, re- I don't know if you remember... It's oh, been I remember like a pretty year. much what's oh, okay. happened.
1: Um, I know that I and love, then there's uh, a nice recap. P- yeah,
0: recap thing, okay. and then yeah, and then the season. And I, I really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, it's like five hours altogether. So, watch it over a couple of nights. I'm be bad like me and turn it on at six o'clock on a Friday and then go to bed at midnight. <laughs>
1: I'm looking forward to Kimmy Schmidt for the same reasons. Just mm-hmm. I,
0: don't, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think I watched last season. Yeah, you did. Did I? Yeah. Okay. It was about her. It's not in my brain. Her and her mom.
1: I was. I don't. I don't. I
0: legitimately don't remember that last season of of, season three of Commitment. So, I don't know. I like that show a lot, but the the joke density is um, bananas, which I enjoy. But it's also like it's hard for me to binge it because I'm like I've taken in a lot. Digest. There were a lot of words. Right. So that brings us to the end.
1: It brings us to the end.
0: Next week, we're watching something completely different. No boobs at all, I'm pretty sure. Which one is this? Mulan.
1: Oh, well. (laughs) Now, I'm interested in Mulan now because there is a live-action adaptation
0: being planned. It's true. That seems like... I don't know. Okay, so we're going to watch Disney's Mulan from 1998, June of Uh, 1998. 1998. When I was graduating from high school, true. Good for you. And until then, uh, you can reach us at Latecomers Pod on Twitter. Twitter. On Twitter.
1: You said it very carefully. Um,
0: Latecomers Pod at gmail.com I got an email this week at our Latecomers Pod. What did it have to say? It was spam. Oh. So, that's okay. You know.
1: I like spam though. And. Eggs on toast.
0: I'm playing with our theme song. Do you like it? If you like it, let me know. Uh I don't know if I like it. I kind of like it. Mm, I need help. And I'm at Amity Armstrong on Twitter. Uh, Lemuel's book is for sale on Amazon. Ceiling night. S E E L I N G N I G H T two Words. At Amazon. And he is not on Twitter. Anything else? Mm. Is that everything? Okay. Thank you for listening and remember, better and late, late than ever. never. See, see, see.